as a program, I think, you know, I, I talked about it when I got here. I want, I want a team that can compete for championships on a consistent basis. You know, and to do that, you're going to have to go, you're going to, to compete for championships, you're going to have to beat Alabama. As, as everybody said last year, what's the margin? Last year it was six points, this year it was two, you know, and hopefully we get one more shot at it. Uh, they've got like 105 star football players on their defense. They have a defensive lineman that weighs 340 pounds and, and runs better than everybody on this call. Five star recruits everywhere and they play really physical. Damn. I think Memphis played more mature than we did. I think that, uh, which I don't even know exactly what that means, but they are more advanced than we were. And then um, sometimes morale doesn't need to be boosted. Now you need to boost something, but it's not always morale that needs to be boosted. And between now and tomorrow, I'm gonna figure out what it is that needs to be boosted. And whether I'm right or not, we're gonna boost something. Well, you know, like I told him, I mean, you know, we're not satisfied by any stretch, but you can't ever apologize for a win. You know. you know, we don't have to have the best players. We just have to have the best team. Our kids have bought into that. Listen, potential doesn't, potential is the worst thing you can have. Because that means you ain't done it. I hate the word potential. Somebody says you got a potential to have a good team. That drives me nuts. That, mean, that means I'm not coaching right and they're not playing right. Ooh, welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, just uh, winding down here. My Sunday rewatch of all these <laughs> SEC games. What a Saturday here. In the oh. SEC we had. You know what, brother? Holy Mike. <laughs> well, we almost had one if it weren't for them damn officials, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I just I, – I think, man, this was great college football all the way from start to finish. And I just I, – I hate that it's going to have an asterisk by it, man, because there was a couple of games I think the refs got a little too involved. Yeah, so we'll get into we'll, some games they didn't get involved. So <laughs> we'll get to all those. <laughs> yeah, we got a loaded show, lot to talk about. So let's start with the big one there, Shane. The game lived up to the hype. The first CBS SEC game of the season. Alabama goes on the road, defeats the Florida Gators 31 to 29. A lot of people. Hell, we had uh, you know, we're talking up the Florida Gators all week. But even I'll admit, Shane, when it was 21-3 to early in the game, I was like, my God, here we go again. Alabama's just going to steamroll the country. But that's not exactly how it played out. And, you know, I don't want to say luck was involved, but, you know, there was a lot of miscues by the Florida Gators that, uh, you know, cracked that door wide open for Bryce Young and Alabama. And, and you know, credit to them. They took advantage yeah. of every opportunity. But – there was many chances for Florida to give in on this one. They never did. Kept fighting and damn near won this game. And, you know, I hate to say it, Shane, without uh, a, a miscue here, there was uh, the Brenton Cox there, dropped there. interception. That was huge. The two-point conversion, that was just – it was just not executed well. The missed PAT. I mean, if you're a Florida fan, you got Quite, uh, you got to be haunted pass here. interference. Qu yeah, I mean, several of them, several of them. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm with you, Mike. This was, this was a great game. And, and I'd like to, 
I, as a Tennessee Volunteer fan, it is hard to do this, but I'd like to apologize to the Gator Nation because I didn't think they had a shot against against this Crimson Tide team. I, I was I was under the impression. And, of course, you know, I, I, I did it. I do it every year, Mike. I, I get pumped up about the first couple of games, and I think I got these teams figured out. I thought I did, and I was wrong. And, it's, and it is – it is kind of nice, Mike. It is kind of nice to see that top gap a little bit thinner. Because like you said, for the longest time, if it feels like Crimson Tide's you know, conference, and it, it doesn't feel that way anymore. It feels like Florida blew this one. Florida had an opportunity to win, and I don't want those fans to get down out because they still control their destiny. They still have an opportunity to play these guys again, man. Yeah, I, I think you hit the, the nail on the head there, Shane. I mean – Outside of the SEC, we're seeing all these upsets. We're seeing all these near upsets. And mm-hmm. now I think the big takeaway for me is uh, Alabama looks mortal. Because, again, yeah. all these miscues and still Florida manage late in the game to potentially tie it, potentially win the game. Uh, Alabama's mm-hmm. defense just got run all over. I know Florida's number one in the in the country in rushing, but – if you would have told me going into this game that Emory Jones was going to throw an interception and Anthony Richardson wasn't going to play and they were going to jump out 21-3 to lead, I was going to say, my God, Alabama's going to win by 50. But there's <laughs> not that separation. And, and I like the fact that you, you hit on it because that was Dan Mullen's main message here after the game. We're closing the gap and we want to see these guys again. And I, I think after Saturday – you know, we're still obviously very high on Georgia, but I'm much more confident that Florida can find its mm-hmm. way to Atlanta after seeing this team uh, play on Saturday, don't you think? Oh, definitely, man. Def- I, I just thought it was like – you remember that Rocky and Dra- Drago, you know, and, and, and you just thought Drago was just going to just kick Rocky's ass, and then all of a sudden, you know, he got that punch in, and you're like – Oh, wait, he is human. Wait, Rocky's got a shot here, you know? The ending didn't end like we wanted it to, or maybe it did. I don't know. Maybe you're a Crimson Tide fan. Like I said, I mean, I think that's the main takeaway. I think Alabama is – now, hell, they're still number one. You know, they're going to be favored mm-hmm. in every damn game, so we're not trying to overreact <laughs> here. But, you know, you jump out to that huge lead, and I, I don't want to say you blow it because I think Florida. what mm-hmm. happened was Florida's defense made adjustments – and Alabama's offense, you know, went consecutive three and three consecutive three and outs, if I'm not mistaken. And there was even an opportunity, Florida, right before half. That was another one where they had gained some momentum. They were moving the ball. Then they had a penalty and a negative play. And I, I even tweeted out, I was like, well, there goes Florida's shot. It, it felt like that was their opportunity to get back in this ball game. Right. And yet they continued to fight, still found a way. So, uh, if nothing else, if, if I'm a Florida Gator fan, you know, I'm seeing – I've seen plenty of Georgia fans mock them for this, but a moral victory if you want to call it that. But you go you go toe-to-toe with the nation's best team. Uh, I think that tells you that uh, you've got one hell of a football team, don't you think? Dan, you've played these guys as close as anybody's played them the last two times with two really, I guess, disparate sort of offensive approaches at least. Why? Why is that? Why are you? Why are you so much trouble for these guys? I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think one thing a lot of teams play Alabama, and, and I think they sometimes are don't don't think they're going to win the game. Maybe, uh, yeah. 
I mean, our guys certainly, we, they, they certainly expected to win the game, um, played that way. Uh, we did last year, we did this year. Um, I think that's maybe a, a big part of it. Um, you know, and uh, I, I think our guys here, you come to Florida, our guys are excited. You know, I, I, where we're headed as a program, I think, you know, I, I talked about it when I got here. I want, I want a team that can compete for championships on a consistent basis. Uh, you know, and to do that, you're going to have to go, you're going to compete for championships, you're going to have to beat Alabama. Uh, you know, and as, as everybody said last year, what's the margin? Last year it was six points, this year it was two, you know, and hopefully we get one more shot at them and get an opportunity to compete for another championship as we move forward. But, uh, you know, that's what we want to be as a program, and that's what our guys, how we prepare and we, and we expect heading out there on the field. Uh, Dan, I wanted to ask you a follow-up to what Dennis was asking you about earlier. Do you feel like you're closer to having a team that can consistently play for and win championships at this point? We're getting there. Um, you know, uh, well, we, we had the opportunity last year to play for the SEC championship, fell six points short. Uh, you know, the team, number one team in the country are two points short today. So I think we're, we're getting there. You know, I mean, I, I think we're at a point where we can compete. we got to get there to the point right now where we're going to go win. And I think that's the hunger in the locker room. I mean, you see our guys in the locker room, you know, they want to win the, they want to win that game. They, they, it wasn't like, Hey, we played a great game. Uh, I think there, there's legitimate, some, some disappointment that we didn't win the game because we expected to, uh, and, but we got to keep building, got to keep recruiting, keep coaching, keep developing, um, here, uh, you know, I, and I think certainly everybody's on board making that happen. You know, right now we have unbelievable support from our administration. We're going to, within the next, uh, you know, at nine months, we're opening up an unbelievable football facility uh, for the future for our guys, not just for recruiting purposes, but for the training and everyday purpose for our players. You go out there in the swamp, there's, there's no atmosphere like game day in the swamp when it's rocking our fan base, you know, our student body. Uh, the Gator Nation bought into what we're doing and creating that environment. So, uh, you know, we, we, we got to get, get, get it back where the Gators are competing. In, in, in our recruiting, we got to continue to recruit well our, our, to get it back where we're competing for championships every year. Hey, hey Mike, I, I swear, we've, we've spent five minutes pumping up Florida. Let's not forget who won this damn game, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you a question because I, I just think we're just – we didn't expect it to be this close. We didn't. We didn't expect this thing to come down the wire, which it did. But I, I, I think both teams grew up quite a bit here in, in this game. Uh, kudos to the Crimson. You know, going going to the swamp, man. Pack Stadium. Yeah, Bryce grew up real quick uh, back behind center there. So let me ask you, coming from this game, who who do you think? Who do you think? I don't know, gains the most from this ball game. Because like you said, or like I was telling you earlier, you know, these both these teams still control their destiny. They still have an opportunity to make the playoffs, to make the SEC championship. But I'm just saying, moving forward, which team benefited most this Saturday? Maybe Alabama, Shane, because, uh, you know, given the fact that uh, their youth on the offensive side of the ball, I know it's incredibly talented youth, but – a lot of players in their first time, these prime time slots, and I'm specifically mm -hmm. thinking of uh, Bryce Young and some of these receivers and some linemen. But you know, now they know what it's like to go on the road and and come away with the W because there's, I mean, hell, there's a there's a trip to College Station looming not that far away. There's a mm -hmm. red hot Ole Miss team coming into town here in a little bit. 
And, you know, I think uh, you've got to build that confidence and you've got to be tested. And, and by God, they were certainly pushed to the limit here and uh, almost got beaten here by the Florida Gators. And mm-hmm. we'll see. I think, I think that'll be the big challenge is uh, to see how Florida responds after, you know, such a, a full week of, uh, you know, just the hype and anticipation for this game. And it, li- it lived up to it, certainly, I thought. Absolutely, man. I'm telling you, all SEC teams were watching this game, man. I, I think they, they come away thinking, hey, man, we're getting closer. It's, it's not the haves and the haves nots anymore. It's, so it's, I, that's what I love about the SEC football, man. We don't, we don't like dominant teams. We like ball games. And it felt like that's exactly what we got there in the swamp. Well, let me ask you this real quick, Shane. Do you, who's, you know, if you're, if you're going by stock, like uh, my power rankings there, are you yeah. rising Florida more or dropping Alabama more after Saturday's game? Great, great question, Mike. And and I and I hate to take the easy road, but I, I think it's a combination of both. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think everybody, myself included, Vegas included, had Alabama as a repeat, a shoe in repeat. And now I'm not so sure. I, I'm not I was, again. We're, they won. They're undefeated. They haven't lost a game. There was some aspects of their game that looks fantastic, but like you said. There was some some flaws that I, I had no idea that that this this team could be ran on like Florida Gators did, and they just established a blueprint on how to make a game with Alabama competitive. Now it, that's easier said than done. I, I don't expect the Volunteers to come in there and say, "Hey, as <laughs> long as we run the ball, we can we can beat these guys." They're, they're still heavily talented, but there's a lot of other talented rosters in this conference, and I think that's kind of what I got from it. Now that being said, Nick Saban is is the greatest coach of all time for a reason. And maybe the halftime adjustments weren't exactly what they had planned, but don't be surprised moving forward if this ball, if this ball game or this uh, program doesn't get better. Nick, what concerned you most about today? Uh, what concerned me most was that we could not sustain our intensity, especially on defense. Uh, we had a lot of mental errors, um, and uh, they did a good job. They, they, they did a really good job, had a good plan. Um, and you know, when you're playing the option and you know, everybody's got to be disciplined. Somebody's got the quarterback, somebody's got the pitch. And because we weren't doing that correctly, I think we were afraid to do a lot of other things, uh, that we had planned in the game. Uh, but we didn't get off the field on third down either. We had several opportunities, especially in the fourth quarter to get off the field on third down where we created long yardage situations. When they went 99 yards for a touchdown, we got them backed up on the one yard line. We got them third down. We got to get off the field. Uh, another situation where it was third and 18, they can, they complete a pass for 16 yards and go for it on fourth down and convert. So, um, got to get off the field on third down. Um, so all in all, it was just our execution on defense and uh, the fact that we didn't get a, a, off the field on third down. I just, just want to ask about Bryce and the way he handled his composure through that second half. Yeah, I think Bryce did a really good job. I think it was very composed. It was a difficult circumstance and situation to play in. Um, you know, we clapped some. We went on silent some. Uh, but I thought he managed the game really well, made some really, really good decisions uh, for the most part. Um, we did a nice job on third down, which was really important in the game. Uh, made some good reads. Guys made some 
good catches. So, um, you know, I, I thought offensively, you know, other than those three three and outs in the second quarter, you know, we we did a good job of moving the football. We didn't always score a touchdown, but I think when you play and you, you control the tempo of, of the game on offense and even when you move the ball and uh, control the clock, uh, keep the defense off the field, you know, those, those are important things when you're playing good teams. All right, Shane, we got to move it along here. So uh, the other big night game here, Penn State wins mm-hmm. at home. I got Hey, did you know it was a whiteout? I only heard that about 50,000 times by, by the ABC crew, but 28 to 20. And, you know, I hate to put the whole game on the uh, last basically call there for Auburn because who knows if they would have even scored the two-point conversion. But, you know, really uh, questionable fade <laughs> call pass on fourth and short there. Uh, and, my God, I mean, the receiver tripped. I mean, it, it never even had a hope and a prayer. But uh, considering Auburn's success on the ground, considering they got a man by the name of Tank Bigsby, you got a guy named mm-hmm. Tank, you got to give him the ball with the game on the line in some form or fashion. And they didn't get it done there. Uh, you know, there was the big first, I think it was the very first play of the second half. Auburn tried to do a trick play and it blew up. Uh, rece- mm-hmm. It was a receiver pass. He fumbled and Penn State scored a touchdown right after that, after, after getting the turnover. And it kind of felt like that was the defining moment of the game. But again, you know, I, Moral victories that they don't count much for uh, in football. We all know that, but again, I think yeah. I think Auburn is going to gain some respect from this. And now it, uh, we find out how they respond after being tested and, and falling short on the road against Penn State. What was your main takeaway on this one? I think this game single-handedly changed the word targeting. I, I think <laughs> I think they use this one. I think they use this video, and, and we get a rule change next year, Mike. That's how impactful I think some of the calls were in this game. And you're right, man. Everybody wanted. It, it felt like you're you're listening. And I'm I'm not trying to get on the commentaries or anything like that, but it just felt like they wanted they wanted Penn State to win. They want Penn State to be good. And I'm telling you right now, Mike, they are not good. Auburn went up there and about beat them, and they should have. I don't know what the that fade thing was, and honestly, it shouldn't have came down to that. This team was being physical on both sides of the ball, and they got away from that, and they and they put it in Bo Nix's hands, and and, and Bo Nix is still Bo Nix, man. And I, I give credit. I want to give credit to this guy's uh, Bobby Big Will. He put out a tweet earlier today. It says, "Coaches who are about to call." a goal line fade and this girl says well did it work for those people and the guy says no it it never does i mean these people somehow delude themselves in thinking it might but but it might work for us (laughs) (laughs) i'm here to tell you right now mike that damn play does not work and even kurt told you you know you're going against you put it up against their best defender Mm -hmm. i don't understand that you take advantage of Bo Nix's leg. If you're not going to give it to two of the running backs that are averaging five yards a carry, then put it in Bo's – what is he good at? He's good at scrambling and making something happen. Don't put him back there in the pocket and try to get him to thread a dime because it ain't going to happen. Right. Not not at Penn State. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm having flashbacks to – I think it was A&M where he's flipping guys off mm-hmm. him and – he went Terminator, and I think he made the entire defense miss on his way to the, <laughs> the end zone. So, yeah, that is clearly Bo Nix's strength. But uh, one of the weaknesses, surprising weakness, I thought, you know, so much hype under Derek Mason and his defense. 
they allowed yeah. uh, Penn State 85% completion and a lot of busts. I mean, that that is just uh, – some of the busts were, were just baffling here. And uh, I was listening to uh, Nathan King, who's been on the show, Auburn Undercover, his podcast. He went back and looked at the stats, and he said the stats he had only go back to 1995, and this was the highest completion percentage Auburn has ever allowed – going back to 1995. So that's got to be a huge issue because this Penn State quarterback, you know, I'm not trying to sell him completely short, but he was it's not like he was anything special. I mean, like I'm saying these guys were were wide ass open on a lot of these plays. So I I've never even just seen guard a tight end, Mike. Just just guard the tight end, you'll be all right. I mean, they have. Oh, did you know they have three of them? Three <laughs> athletes up there at the time. Oh, sh- shut up, Kurt. And apparently, they have uh, Joey Porter Jr. I had to hear that twenty thousand. <laughs> I was thinking, what about uh, Bo Nix's dad? Tank's dad? I mean, why we got to single out Joey Porter Jr.? But uh, exactly. Yeah, that was on and on and on. You know what? Yeah, it's just I, like I said. They wanted them to win that game, and, and the fact, the fact that they, I mean. I, don't get me wrong. Auburn is on the – they're on the up and coming, okay? But they ain't there yet, man. And, and to, to sit over there and, and just – I cannot stand James Franklin, man. Him <laughs> at the end of that damn game. I was like, God, I'd love to send the Gators up there. I'd love to send Alabama because he – right now, they think they're on the top of the world, man. They got a new coach, a new program. And I guarantee you right now, Brian, is, he's, he's had nightmares wanting to redo that last play. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of things he'd like to change. And I think if they could have that opportunity and they, they met again, they're beating Penn State. Now, I know that's the easy cop, but I'm telling you, this, this program is better than the Nittany Lions. Yeah, and fi- my final thing on this, Shane, you know, that uh, the play where the receiver, it was a pass and he fumbled and – you may say, why in the hell are you running that with, uh, you know, an inexperienced guy? But, you know, they said they saw something. We'll get to, to Arson's comments here in a second. But I actually love the fact that, uh, you know, they're they're willing to to gamble because that's what you got to do yeah. on the road. Uh, a relatively mm-hmm. young slash inexperienced Auburn team with a new coaching staff. And I think that's the coaching staff swinging big. And I want my coach, yeah. particularly a, a first-year guy, to show confidence in his team, to you know, to try to make these these huge plays rather than playing conservative. Because when you get into the SEC, when you're facing Georgia, when you're facing Alabama, good luck, brother, if you're gonna play it conservative. <laughs> you you have got to swing big, and uh, you know yeah. it obviously didn't work. It blew up on them, but uh, I I credit the fact that uh, they went up there just like he said they went to win. They didn't they didn't go to to just have a good showing. You know what? That's right. They didn't leave up. They they had no intentions of making this a ball game. They had intentions of winning, and I like I said, they're they're watching that film just like you and I have, just like everybody has, and, and they're picking out the mistakes that they made along the way, and it just it caught them. And you couldn't, you just couldn't afford to do that uh, this early in the season. Uh, yes, Brian. Back to that uh, fourth down play there late in the fourth. Um... Was the play to go to Kobe Hudson, or was it a play where you know you get lined up and Bose just sort of picks the best um, opportunity that he sees? And how, how do you feel like it came out there? Well, it's a little more calculated than that, uh, but there are four options on it. There's really five, and uh, Kobe was one of them. I just saw you know the kind of the, the first of the play, and the ball went up, and, and he was out of phase with where the throw was. 
but to answer your question, yes, there's there's five possibilities on that play right there. So we give ourselves the best chance to get somebody in the end zone. Uh, I don't know. I got to go back and I won't, before I make any comment on, you know, was that the right decision? Uh, you got to go back and watch and see, you know, where the progression starts. And that's really the one thing at the quarterback position. Sometimes those plays don't work out. And, and the main question is, well, he made the wrong read. Not necessarily. Sometimes uh, either it's a route, uh, it's it's the defense doing a good job in their coverage. And so we'll assess that tonight as we watch the film on the plane. We'll look at it and make uh, corrections tomorrow. But ultimately, you know, you want to give yourself a better chance uh, in that situation right there. I don't know if that was a decision, uh, but we've run that thing quite a few times. We made some really good plays on it. So, you know, I trust that what he saw out there, you know, we'll look at it and we'll learn from it and we'll go from there. Hey, Brian, um, can you sort of uh, take us through what the sort of the play call process is on that timeout with the fourth down at the goal line? Is it you and Bobo, who who has the play ready? Uh, and just sort of take us through the decision on that, please. Yeah, he's, we talk about it. Uh, you know, everybody kind of gives their input. And then we have those, those plays are pre-planned and scripted in those areas. So... Uh, those are things that you work on, and uh, I'd have to—I got to go back and look at it on exactly what happened. Obviously, we didn't execute it or, or get the play out result that we wanted. So, uh, but those are things that you go into a game plan, and believe it or not, that you actually spend time on it, working through it, and, and going through the different scenarios and get to that moment. Um, that's the play selection that you have and what you choose. So, uh, we went to that menu of plays. And, uh, didn't, uh, didn't hit like one of the two. Uh, yeah, Brian, what do you feel like you learned about your team tonight? Well, I think there's a lot. Um, you know, I didn't see anybody that was on the field. Uh, nobody quit. All right, everybody was locked in on the sideline. As far as we brought them over there, we had to make, make decisions and adjustments and those things. Uh, and then there, there's plenty of work to do. I mean, that's that's one thing. And, you know, just, you know, this, this loss, I mean, it should burn. We, we came here and we played a really good Penn State team on the road. And we give ourselves an opportunity to go win the game. Those are games that you want to win. Those are games that, that we came here to win. Uh, you know, we didn't come here just to play and, and be in the game. We came here to win the game. And, you know, that's going to be the mindset with everybody around uh, in this program, not just showing up and playing well, but finding a way to win. And, you know, the road is is a big part of that. You want to be a championship team, you got to win on the road. Half your games are on the road. Uh, ultimately, from this point on, you know, what what is what, what do we do tomorrow? You know, what's the attitude? What's the focus? What's the effort um, that we're going to get from this team? I mean, I think there's a lot of guys in that locker room that are disappointed, and, and we all should be. Uh, I think it's something that, that you want to absorb and, and take in, and then you do everything in your power to figure out a way to not let that happen again. All right, Shane, here's uh, probably going to be my favorite part of the show. Let's piss you off real quick. Let's go to <laughs> Memphis beating Mississippi oh, State 31-29. to And, hey, I got lucky. I said if this thing gets into the 30s, I, I feel like Memphis is going to steal mm. it. 
that uh, 31 points exactly was the, you know, all it took for the Tigers to win and some help from the officials, no doubt. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I know that's going to be the big talking point. And it should be because Mississippi State got screwed on multiple occasions. We, I'm sure we'll get to the, the punt, you know, all that. But I thought even the most yeah. egregious was the damn – I have never in my life have I seen an instant replay of, you know, an onside kick or any play, and then they go to the review booth – and then they come out and say, "Well, hell, we found a penalty on something else." I mean, I don't know if that's in the rule book. I didn't. I don't believe it is. But uh, man, just, what a calamity of errors! And the the SEC even had to issue a statement here. We'll throw it up on the YouTube channel. But uh, man, multiple missed calls on the big punt that mm-hmm. uh, that really, ch- you know, changed the outcome of the game. Absolutely, Mike. And I made the. I made the mistake of doing a double lockdown, but I'm telling you, Mike, this is a game. This is a game that shouldn't come down to those stupid penalties. Mississippi State blew this thing. Mm-hmm. Forget, forget, forget the downed punt. And and if you didn't watch it or you didn't see any highlights, quick recap: Mississippi State uh, punts the ball. Miss uh, Memphis is back there to receive. Now Memphis has a receiver wearing the number four. Mm-hmm. There's also another player on the field wearing the number four, which is illegal, which is a penalty, a five-yard penalty. And it uh, results in a, I, I think, a, would it, would it, I don't know. It, it would have been a re-kick. doesn't matter. Yeah, would have been a re-kick, okay? So, needless to say, the guy goes back there, puts his knee on the ground, his hand on the football, and downs the ball. A ref comes in. And whistles the ball dead. Well, there was no whistle. There was no whistle. Okay. In the process, his hands are up mm-hmm. to make the dead ball symbol. Needless to say, number four comes in there, grabs the football, takes <laughs> off, wins a putt, gets a putt, return for a touch. It, it broke their back, man. Mm. It couldn't be at a worse time. And uh, they ended up winning this game. That, And they didn't review it. And then when you're watching the review, there's like 16 people on the field. There's players coming out from Memphis. You know what I'm saying? The mascot's out there smoking a cigarette. And everybody's just like, hey, everything's okay, you know? It's like, what are we doing? This is a huge play. This changes the game. And we're not going to take a moment to see if it was legit. Because later in the game, they took a moment to see how they blocked an onside kick. So, I I don't know. This one right here, it it stuck in my crawl because – uh, because part of me knows that Mississippi State is a better team, and not by close, Mike. I kept we we text through this whole thing. I I was very impressed at moments of how how just dominant they were, but they just kept letting Memphis get back in it. They're making stupid decisions when they get inside the twenty yard line. Uh, you cannot make mistakes like that, and it came back and bit them. Yeah, and then we haven't even mentioned the first score of the game, Mississippi State. Fumbled a ball. Memphis oh, returned yeah. it for a touchdown, a scoop and score touchdown. So, I mean, there was these huge defining plays in the game and a lot mm-hmm. of it unforced. I mean, I agree with everything you said about the punt return and it's it was a bullshit call that should not have, have been. But there's also other Mississippi State players just standing there. I, You know what I mean? So, yeah. I, it's not necessarily totally on them, but, you know, th- these are just – Mississippi State's a young team, and they need to they need to be more consistent, and they need to play to the whistle. And it's not just the special teams; it's it's the offense, man. It it seems like it yeah. until they get in a big hole, they don't kick their ass into gear, and you know the stats that, look good because they're throwing it all over the yard. But 
Exactly. Uh, we're just lacking consistency here, and it almost cost them against Louisiana Tech, and now it finally bit them in the ass here, and it's just a it's a momentum killer heading into SEC mm-hmm. play next week against LSU. And why? Why is it when Mississippi State gets their back against the wall, the air raid kicks in? And you're like, that's the offense I was promised. This is the quarterback. This is the receivers that I was promised when the Pirate came in here. It's like they wait to the very – I don't understand the conservative play calling at times. It it feels like they're almost afraid to cut loose. When they do cut loose, man, they're – they're affected, they're efficient, and they look good. Mm-hmm. Does the quarterback make mistake every now and then? Absolutely. But at least he's taking chances, and this defense can keep him in any game. And they tried. They tried like hell to keep him in this one, but they just <laughs> they kept messing up. The offense kept screwing up. That's yeah. all it was. It came down to efficiency, and Mississippi State just could not capitalize when they needed to. What is the explanation <coughs> on the punt return? On what? On the punt return that they called – Touching and they ran back for the touchdown. Well, I mean, we got to the ball's live. Just because you touch, usually they whistle it, you know. But the uh, we got to pick it up and hand it to the ref. The ref was uh, motioning for uh, the, the play was dead. Did, did they give you any kind of explanation for that? No, they didn't. They didn't. Did they call the play dead? Uh, the guy right behind the play was motioning. So he did call the play dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you waved it. Yeah. Well, that'll. We'll have to look at that on film, and maybe some others will too. Yeah, but uh, on that uh, onside kick, when they went for the review and then called the penalty after looking at the review, has that ever happened to you before? What was your kind of assessment on that? On what now? The the onside kick where they went back to review it and then they reviewed it and it was a successful one, but then they called a, a penalty on on your guys. Has that ever? happened to you in the past? Uh, don't even get me started. I mean, I'll have to um, decide whether I want to spend some money before I get into that very much. But I think that um, you need to look carefully at it and make your own judgment. Get the big pick uh, right at the beginning of the second half and you get out there close. And um, I know you don't like the kick there. And I know the touchdown probably puts the game away. But kind of take us through your thought process there going for it rather than kicking it. I thought we could get it, still believe we would have got it, except we just roll the snap back. How the hell you roll a snap back, you know? I mean, we've had, let's see how many plays we had. We had, we had 83 plays, and of those, we had 82 good snaps. I don't know why the hell we wouldn't have a good snap on that one, you know? Um, you've obviously been doing this for, for a while, and I'm sure there have been a bunch of uh, tough losses along the way like this. But what do you kind of tell your guys in the locker room after that to kind of boost morale? I always try to be really honest with them. And, um, you know, I'm not necessarily 100%. It depends. I mean, sometimes you try to boost morale. Sometimes morale doesn't need to be boosted. Now, you need to boost something, but it's not always morale that needs to be boosted. And between now and tomorrow, I'm going to figure out what it is that needs to be boosted. And whether I'm right or not, we're going to boost something. All right, Shane, let's uh, move it along here. Ole Miss. Defeats Tulane 61 no. <laughs> to 21, and this is after Ole Miss pulled basically everybody in the ball game in the third quarter, and there was a mm-hmm. rain delay. There was going to be a mons- monsoon weather, I was told, and it did not affect Matt Corral and this <laughs> offense one bit. And I know people are saying, "Well, hell, it's Tulane." Remember, Tulane almost beat Oklahoma at Oklahoma week one of the season. 
And mm-hmm. my God, Shane, I mean, if you are not watching this old Miss offense, <laughs> I don't know what you're doing with your life because uh, they had the first 10 possessions, Shane, nine uh-huh. touchdowns. I mean, they are just a machine right now. They are playing uh, probably the best football They're- on the offensive side in the country. I told you, man. I tweeted out they're playing with their food. That's what that's what Ole Miss was doing with Tulane at times. And Mike, I'm gonna tell you right now, just a quick little gambling story. I'm chasing the <laughs> dragon. You knew this. Okay, so I, I get my hundred from Texas AM, which we'll talk about in a minute. Go Aggies. Then Mississippi State screws everything up with my double lockdown. So now I'm back to even. So then my brother texts us and he says, dude, check out the weather. I'm looking, man, it is a freaking monsoon. And I'm also looking at that point. So I'm like, there's no way that they're going to score over 76 points in this game. Give me the under. (laughs) So about, what, about eight minutes into this game, I realized I made a huge mistake. So I put another 100 on the over, man. I'm there at midnight watching this game. So, yes, it was exciting electric. And this team, if you've not got to see them, man, it is like – if you're playing a video game, that's almost what – that's the only thing I can compare it to. Like you're playing a video game and you're just like, hey, let's grip and rip and play this thing. That's the style that Ole Miss is going with, and it is exciting and fun to watch. Matt Corral, seven touchdowns, school record, 41 first downs for the Rebels in this game. And, again, they pulled Matt Corral for the entire fourth quarter because there was no need to have him out there. And uh, yeah. for, for the most – the defense shut him out in the second half. So – Again, it's not just, uh, you know, the starters for Ole Miss defense that's pretty solid. It's, you know, they've got some depth now uh, there in Oxford on Mm -hmm. that side of the ball. Now, my only question, and this is kind of nitpicking here, Shane, do you know who Ole Miss plays next? (sighs) No, it's not Southern Miss. That's going to Alabama, right? Right. Okay. Uh, No, I have no idea. Ole Miss plays Alabama. So they got next week off. So they'll have two weeks to prepare, which normally you look at that, the schedule, and say, well, hell, that's great. I would honestly Mm -hmm. say that's probably not the best thing here for the Rebels. They're so red hot right now. I think think you want to keep playing. Do do you buy into that? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, maybe, maybe a little bit. But this team is – not really struggled much. Now, they've not had an opponent like Alabama either. So, mm-hmm. part of me is saying, hey, maybe this isn't a bad thing. They can sit back and they can really study that Florida film. They can re- they can get out there and they can watch that Southern Miss game and, and get – I'm sure Lincoln. In. So, I, I don't know if it's a huge it's, – it's all about practice and preparation, man. As long as – I would say that, that Lane's going to do everything to prepare like they were going to a game this week – just so they don't lose that momentum, it'd be crazy to give these boys too much time off. You know, kind of worry about what we didn't do right and that stuff. And obviously there's always stuff to fix, but, you know, you're probably going to struggle to believe what I said all week. Okay, that's a good team that we played. And all you got to do is watch the Oklahoma film, and I bet they go play really well the rest of the year. So, you know, for our guys to handle some adversity about, you know, starting warm-ups and stopping and lightning and all that, and then to come out and play, you know, so well in the first half, you know, I think six touchdowns and really seven drives besides the, the last one running out of time. It's pretty cool and really proud of our defense, you know, to go 
them to go one of 11 on third down and they got good players and they're really well schematically coached on offense. I was worried about that because they give you a lot of conflict plays. So really happy with what our defense played and you're going to win a ton of games. You run 94 plays and 707 yards of offense first 56 and 305. And I think somebody said school record of 41 first downs. I'm not sure. I've been around first downs in the forties. So, and I think 25 in the first half. So I'm not throwing those out just because those are stats. Those are really like deserved stats. You know, when you have that many first downs, you're playing really well with a lot of people for an extended amount of time. It ain't just like, you know, you're hitting big plays. So proud of the guys, how they did that. Wish we didn't have a bye, but because we're playing so well, but it is what it is. You know, we'll look to get better during that. You know, get Springer back on defense and, you know, get ready for some really good teams. Hey, Lane, I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about your opinion of Matt Corral's performance tonight. I mean, he was lights out. Well, I've kind of been pretty positive, as you know, about him, but also, you know, trying to keep him from all the rat poison and, you know, kind of expected he would play like this just because he's off the charts talented, like I've said before, top 10 pick. And but now he's the work ethic that he's putting in and the preparation. And, you know, we had a moment last week, I think I said in one of the interviews where, you know, in the game we were up by a bunch. He came over, he was mad, we were audible in a play, you know, and the receiver didn't get it, and he got mad at us. And I was like, That's pretty cool when you take that step. You're that into the game, up thirty, forty points, you know, and you're going to get on the head coach, you know, about audible. You know, that that you're you're at an elite level at that point. And then he shows it. You know, I didn't even realize it was four, but seven total touchdowns, four on the ground. You know, and those things aren't designed. We're not trying to run the guy this much. You know, when they close, he pulls it. So ideally, we would not like him running, getting hit that much. Probably left him in one series too long. Um, but it was just still so much time left in the game. All right, Shane, next on the docket here, SEC showdown that um, never really much of a contest, though. Georgia beat South Carolina 40 to 13. Mm -hmm. And my God, Shane, aside from the uh, drive where Stetson Bennett came in and immediately threw an interception, <laughs> uh, the Bulldogs were unstoppable in this game. You know, they continue to put that uh, their foot down on that throttle. JT Daniels back on the field. He looked outstanding. The deep ball was there whenever the Bulldogs wanted it. They were able to run all over them. Uh, they just – you know, South Carolina was already having issues on the offensive line. They just, I mean, went through them like damn Swiss cheese here. Like they were, like they weren't even there. Yeah. Uh, just complete domination for the Georgia Bulldogs, and and it's it's very uh, concerning. I think that South Carolina, you know, couldn't guard these guys. Of course, again, this is uh, number arguably the number one team in the nation here. But at least South Carolina continued mm -hmm. to fight. Zeb Nolan started the game, got hurt, got stepped on, and then here comes Luke Doty who came into the game. And, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of South Carolina fans wondering why in the hell is Luke Doty not starting if, you know, he's able to go. It, it That does – it is kind of questionable, but I think that Shane Beamer had to look at this game and say, you know, look at these monsters on the defensive side of the ball. Is this really the time mm -hmm. to – work in Luke Doty when 
I know Zeb Nolan's not exactly been lighting the world on fire, but he's been managing the offense. He's been making some big throws. Uh, I, I just don't know if you you throw Luke Doty out there if you don't have to. And, and of course, they had to, and he, and he responded. He played well. But that's kind of my only logic mm-hmm. for that. So, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I To be honest with you, Mike, I, it feels like Beamer knew he wasn't going to win this thing. And why rattle Luke's confidence when you can bring him in the next week? So, that's I – th- I think, in my mind, that's kind of what happened. Don't rush him. He's hurt, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, w- I will say this, though, Mike. Um, for starters, we all know that Georgia probably has the best defense in the country. And there were plenty of times that South Carolina – capitalized on some mistakes that Georgia made. And kudos to that defense from keeping them out. I mean, they did finally let go and and they scored a touchdown against the Bulldogs. But I'm telling you right now, man, there there was some times that these guys had opportunities to put some points on the board and they kept walking away with field goals. So South Carolina, to make this a ball game, had to play flawless. And and unfortunately, when they got in those critical areas, they just they weren't able to capitalize, man. Yeah, and any any hope South Carolina had in this it was dead right before halftime. They stopped the Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. And then for some damn reason, you know, from their own end zone, they called a play action, slow developing play. Luke Doty got uh, sacked for a safety. Big Jordan Davis was in on that. And then they had to punt the ball away, mm-hmm. and Georgia got a field goal. So I know it's only five points, but that was just a, that was just a swift kick in the nuts right before halftime. So uh, let's <laughs> kick it over to Kirby, who talks about that moment. And I think perhaps more importantly, the fact that we're looking across the country and we're seeing the nation's elite struggling, yet Georgia just continues to play at an incredibly high level. He touches on that. Coach, you mentioned it for a minute, but but, uh, just the end of the first half uh, seemed really critical for things, uh, getting a safety out of that uh, and and then coming back down and getting the field goal. Can you just talk about uh, taking advantage of those last 24 seconds? Yeah, situational football is critical, and um, you know we 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 rep those exact situations every Thursday. And man, I was really proud of the execution. Um, number one, they stopped us, which can't happen. We can't we can't you know not have an opportunity. And he he took the time out, which told me that he was you know going to try to use the clock and not let it run out. Uh, Amir Speed and Jake Camarda started that whole thing with uh, down in the ball inside the 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 one, which is just elite. We practiced that really hard um, all camp. So Amir made a huge play. Jake made a huge play. And then the defense made a huge play. Then the special teams made a big play. And then we were able to save our timeouts. And uh, it was really big to get those uh, those pass plays to set up uh, the field goal. I just thought that was a really good sequence to steal five points. Uh, obviously, Stetson came in on the, on the third possession. Was that just a deal going in where you planned to play both guys? Yeah, to be honest with you, you know, JT was not 100% all week, and uh, he, he practiced all week, but he didn't, I mean, he didn't necessarily go with the ones the whole time. We didn't know if he was going to be able to go on Monday, and we thought Stetson really practiced well, and he and JT rolled uh, all week, and we told him, uh, I guess it was Thursday or Friday, 
we called him in and said, hey, look, you're both going to play. And uh, we think JT's healthy enough to go, but we're going to play you, Stetson. And it's an unfortunate deal. Uh, Brock's route was a little shallow, uh, and he you know, probably shouldn't have thrown it there. And he threw it a little high, sailed on him, and got it picked. So unfortunate for Stetson, but he did have a good week of practice. And I've said it all along, and I continue to say it and stand by it. I have a lot of confidence in our quarterbacks, a lot of confidence in our quarterbacks. I can't say that I've ever had as much confidence in three to four guys that I've ever had. So uh, Stetson earned that right, and uh, it just didn't work out. Kirby, I know you're focused on your team, but as everybody tries to figure out kind of the pecking order in college football, um, you, you might know that, like, Clemson struggled to beat Georgia Tech today, and Alabama had a hard time in, in Florida. I was just wondering what that tells you kind of about, you know, maybe the state of college football this year um, and maybe how it affects you guys. Yeah, I hadn't seen many scores. I was asking on the way over here, you know, who won the Penn State Auburn game. I didn't know. And, um, you know, it's weird to me. It's a weird year because not necessarily the Clemson score or the Alabama because, I mean, I, you know, playing at Florida is a tough place to play. But it's just different. It's a different feel to it because there's so many teams that, uh, that I know are talented. And I'm not talking about those teams. But they lose to somebody that's like, man, what, they have no business losing to them. Or uh, upsets seem to be more prevalent, and we're not immune to that. So we're trying to heighten our awareness to the standard. Like, hey, can we play to this standard all the time? Or are we going to go out there and, and, and be flat and not play to our standard? And it's hard when you're dealing with 18, 19, 21 years old because they get, they get told all these things, and they, they start reading and believing it. And I'm warning our guys all night. Hey, look, you played well tonight, but let's be honest. We're on this, like, trajectory, and we're trying to climb this thing. And on this flight, we're trying to take off. We're, like, wheels up. We're, we're getting there. We're not, we're not at the highest altitude yet. And so what can we do to avoid that? But I see it. I see it every week in college football, and we try to bring it to our guys' attention. All right, Shane, and then on the other side of the ball, of course, you know, you know no one was picking South Carolina to win this thing. My God, the, the spread was 30 two points right. here but uh you know I, I did like the fight i saw from south carolina and uh you know now well now that we've seen kentucky struggle we'll get to them in a moment uh i think you know i'm not sitting here predicting a, the big upset next week in columbia but uh, i at least think that uh, south carolina is going to give kentucky everything they got and if kentucky plays like i did this week they're going they may lose it to south carolina don't you think yeah yeah, definitely, man. I mean, South Carolina, say what you want, man. They were scrappy, and like I said, during that game, they put points on the board. They moved the ball against the Georgia Bulldogs. They just couldn't get it in the end zone at times. They're not going to have that problem facing some of these other teams in the SEC. Georgia's just – I mean, they're just an amazing defense. But I, I think – I think we learned something from South Carolina here. I, I think they're a little better than, than people put on. Uh, you know, it's easy to look at the, the – what is East Carolina and say, oh, well, hell, they barely beat this. Well, you know, look what they did. They went to Athens and, and yeah, they, they got beat, but they were able to get – they got their boys in opportunities and they just weren't able to capitalize. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you, Mike, Coach Beamer, he's going to have to work on his losing face because uh, that quickly became a meme all over the internet. <laughs> Shane, obviously they've got a really good defensive line over there. Just what were they doing to maybe make things physical on the offensive side and, and maybe being able to get a push? Who, what, who was doing? Uh, Georgia's a defensive line. What were they doing to maybe make things difficult on the offense? 
Uh, they've got like a hundred five-star football players on their defense. They are, they have a defensive lineman that weighs 340 pounds and, and runs better than everybody on this call. Uh, they've got five-star defensive backs. They're big and physical and fast. I mean, other than that, they're really freaking good. That's why they have the top defense in the country. They're hard to run the football on. So there wasn't some magical scheme they came out with tonight. They got five-star recruits everywhere, and they play really physical. Damn. Yeah, Shane, how much of your game plan was maybe did you have to tweak once Luke got into the game? Um, and how do you feel like he performed when he was out there? I thought he did great. Um, you know, obviously, if you script how the game's going to start, uh, you not losing Sherrod Green and losing the guy that started the game at quarterback early in the game is not ideal. You know, Brad Johnson had, I don't know if it was food poisoning or what, but he was sick all day. So he, you know, wasn't a hundred percent from that standpoint. And, and uh, those other guys stepped up, Mokava and, and uh, Staley thought those guys did great. We didn't really have to change much of the plan. I mean, going into it, we started Zeb, because, you know, uh, Luke practiced all week, but really Thursday was the first day that he got in there and did true, like, full 11 on 11. Before that, it was individual drills. It was seven on seven. Um, it was some limited stuff. Thursday, he was pretty much full go, and we just didn't, you know, Zeb had played pretty well the last two weeks, so we started Zeb. But, you know, we had um, – no reservations about putting Luke in the game. And, you know, he probably would have played a little bit anyway if Zeb hadn't gotten hurt. I don't know. But um, we didn't really have to change much, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more willing to call some, you know, quarterback runs or quarterback read options, things like that with with Luke in there. But we didn't really have to, you know, wholesale change our, our plan. I, I really thought we had a, you know, a good plan going into the game. And I thought we did a decent job executing. We've obviously got to be a whole lot better in the red zone. And when you get down there against a team like Georgia, you can't, you know, kick field goals. And, you know, if, we're go if we go down there and we're able to score touchdowns there, who knows what happens. Shane, what did you think of the way that the guys competed towards the end? Um, I mean, a lot of energy, obviously, from you and your coaching staff and just being able to fight um, despite what the scoreboard was indicating. Yeah, we talk all the time about, you know, competing and never looking at the scoreboard, whether we're – you know, beating Eastern Illinois, whatever we were in the fourth quarter or whatever it was tonight, just, you know, um, competing. And we always talk about, you know, dominating the fourth quarter. And we don't look at the scoreboard and say, okay, well, we're losing. We're not going to try and dominate the fourth quarter tonight all along. You know, we wanted to get this game to the fourth quarter and go out there and make plays. And I was really proud of, you know, the way that we competed, uh, especially in the fourth quarter. I thought we got more physical as the game went on and some of the, you know, plays, the physicality, the covering the kickoff and, and the physicality on that kickoff cover at the end of the game. Um, some of the runs we had, the physicality, finishing runs defensively, Damani Staley, big hit over on the sideline. I mean, it was, uh, it was, uh, I was proud of them. Obviously, you know, there's no moral victories. We're not patting ourselves on the back, like all, you know, if we're, uh, because we lost by 27 points, but I did see, um, that mentality really come together, which was good to see. Speaking of Kentucky, <laughs> Shane, let's get to that one because we almost had to have our first emergency podcast of the young season. Kentucky really struggled here with UTC. W wins the game 28-23, but a large part of that 95-yard pick six interception late in the game, uh, UTC had the ball. And if not for that interception, hell, 
Who knows? Chattanooga may have won this damn game. And again, I'm not sitting here saying that, uh, you know, nine times out of 10, you know, UTC would ever stand a chance of beating Kentucky. But this is troubling to me, Shane, because it's, it's one of two things, or maybe it's both, but you know, Kentucky is uh, reading their press clippings. They're feeling themselves a little bit here and they could not run the ball against UT Mm -hmm. Chattanooga, which is, you know, that's the bread and butter of the program. I don't care if you got, you know, everybody's talking up Will Levis and Wondell Robinson. That's got nothing to do with the running game. Not being able to run on this team was a huge red flag to me. And I think more concerning, you know, Kentucky, they are very eager to take a step up to an SEC East contender. You know, the fans are always talking about it. The coaches are always talking about it. The players are talking about it. This shit right here, you don't see Georgia or Florida or even the West Powers struggling against UTC. Mm-hmm. And I think this just goes to show, you know, there's still a, a long way to go for Kentucky before they take that next step. Or maybe, I, maybe I'm reading too much into one game. What are your thoughts on that? No, I, I, I man, I thought last week was going to be the eye opener. You know, I, there was. I think I think there's there's a lot of things that went wrong in this game, and I think you hit the nail on the head. It, it felt like both offense defensive line were just straight garbage, especially that mm-hmm. running game. You you I mean there was no reason that that Levis should even have to get in any type of shootout because I mean Rodriguez I mean they should have been able to just turn around and hand him the ball four or five times and just keep moving the chains. It's just, it blew my mind that they were, they were having problems doing that. And uh, some of the things that really stood out to me though, and one of the commentators made, made mention of this is, is where's the leadership, you know, games like these against SCS opponents and you're struggling, you got to, I mean, your coaches can yell till they're blue in the face, but sometimes you need, you need a player, man. You need a you need a leader on your team to to look you in the eyes and say, "Come on, man, get your shit together." And that's what it felt like this team was lacking, uh, and, and they just didn't have that spark or that want to. And then Will's out there slinging it like every damn pass is is a must get. I, I think I they they're going to have to do some recalibration this mm-hmm. week, Mike. Also, well. Yeah, you saw it as well as we did. Uh, at times, we were moving it okay, running the ball, and then we weren't handling some some movement, and um, they were getting some penetration and creating some negative yardage plays, getting us behind the chains, and then all of a sudden you don't convert a third and three, third and four, or third down, and, and you're, you're punting. And uh, it was just one of those aggravating days that way. It, it did. It was, a, it was um, you know, not, not, you know, he'll be better. You know, he'll be better. He missed, uh, we felt like he missed um, some shots in the first half and um, settled in, you know, did some, some good things at times. But uh, I think he's pressing a little bit, trying to do too much, and he's just got to take care of himself and be him and, and be confident, and he'll, he'll be all right. Mark, you've a long time. Do you think with as much work as he's got, Exactly, exactly what I said from Monday on. I mean, I agree, and that's—I mean, you know—that's my job. 
and I told the team that. You know, I got to I got to do a better job. And uh, you know, plain and simple. You know, no, it's not nobody but me. All right, Shane, let's kick it on down here to Arkansas. They took care of business, just shellacked Georgia Southern 45-10. to 10. And imagine two, three years ago, me telling you Arkansas's beaten uh, FBS teams by 35 points, but here it's pretty ho-hum. Like, uh, no one's even lifted a finger here because we're a ranked team. You know, this is the expectation. But all the concern out there, not – at Arkansas necessarily, but around the country in the SEC. K.J. Jefferson, can he throw the ball well enough? Well, my man mm-hmm. came through on this one, 366 yards. <laughs> you know, this is a game where you you get these, I don't want to say issues, but you just, you know, you get your confidence going into SEC play. Razorbacks really took care of business. Yeah. This was a dangerous opponent. Hell, we just talked about Kentucky and the letdown factor. That was potentially very real with a, a Georgia Southern team coming in here with their triple option attack, and they stood no chance against the Razorbacks. So, uh, hey, just the continued progression here of the Sam Pittman program, and now it looks like, uh, you know, the, the biggest showdown in the SEC, they've got Texas next weekend. Thoughts on uh, Arkansas just taking care of business here? All right, I, I, this is – I'm telling you, man, you you talk about a bet. I, I thought for sure there'd be a little bit of a late down because that's just what happens, Mike. I mean, look at Kentucky struggling against the FCS mm-hmm. opponent. Why wouldn't you? Coming off this big victory of Texas, of course you're going to have a little bit of a letdown. But this is exactly what good programs do, Mike. They go in there, they get the work done, they get the hell out of there. They and and it's and it's more of a rest game than it is. It's just a filler. And I mean, you look at teams like and I hate to keep going back, but Kentucky fought tooth and nail to the very last whistle. Man, there's some players hurt. There's some people sore. You know, Arkansas is not dealing with that because they went in there. With their hard hats, they got the job done, and they got the hell out of there. That's exactly the way that you're supposed to do when you have these type of opponents coming to your stadium. Yeah, and Arkansas defense, Shane, held uh, Georgia Southern to six, three and outs. That's incredible. And uh, <laughs> on damn near ha- – Confidence building, yeah, man. Yeah, and, and about half their drives, they scored a touchdown on the offensive side. So, uh, And mm-hmm. several of these were one play, three play <laughs> – Four play. I mean, these were. This is what you need going into the Texas A&M game. Coach, what did you think about the the play of the offense and specifically KJ thirteen of twenty three for three sixty six and three touchdowns? You know, every time he misses a throw, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, to you know, in my mind. But then when he throws one, we go ninety one. He throws a nice drop pass to Warren Thompson and sixty for a touchdown. Like, well, that's what he's supposed to do. You know, I mean. I think Dan Marino missed a pass or two. So I got to, my mind's got to work a little bit different. He's our quarterback. He's doing a really nice job. Uh, you know, he missed a couple of open ones. That's going to happen. But he's a competitor. He's a competitor, competitor. And I was really proud of him. You know, he still has that option to run. And uh, he's got some pretty good wideouts there to throw the ball to. Two-parter again. You mentioned, I think it was after the game last week, the trail, and you know, was the happiest guy in the locker room, or as happy as anybody, even though he didn't get a bit, you know, a bunch of catches. What does that say about him? Because a lot of star players aren't like that. You know, says it about our team. Our team wants to win, and he's certainly a good player, but he's not selfish, nor is anybody else in that locker room, including coaches. 
I mean, we got a team now, and 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 uh, I'm proud that he does that. But that's what kind of kid he is. If he did something different, I would be shocked. Him or anybody else in there. We got a team, and and uh, you know we don't have to have the best players. We just have to have the best team. Our kids have bought into that. And speaking of those Aggies, Shane, another team that took care of business, and Jibbo still was not as pleased. The Aggies take care of business, 34-0 over New Mexico. And this defense, Shane, my God, I mean, we Georgia may have the nation's best defense. Texas A&M might be number two. I mean, they are playing some suffocating football right now. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Zach Calzada looked a little shaky against Colorado here. First uh, touchdown of the game, 70-yard yeah. touchdown. They're hitting some big ones. Uh, Demas, the redshirt freshman, he's that was his first catch, a 70-yard touchdown, not bad. Uh, it really seemed like some of these young receivers for the Aggies. Moose Mohammed, another freshman, he had a one hell of a catch in this mm-hmm. ball game. Uh, it, it certainly seems like Zach Calzada looks a lot more comfortable back there, doesn't it? Yeah, he he does. And um, for starters, man, what about my man Terry Wilson? Leaving the SEC only – I mean, could you imagine going down there? He, You guarantee he didn't look at the schedule, and he's looking. He's like, shit, we got to play A&M. <laughs> I felt bad for him, man. He was getting, he was getting destroyed. But, uh, Mike, I don't want to say this is – I mean, don't get me wrong. Thank you, A&M. I appreciate the hundo, my lock <laughs> of the week, going 3-0 and at the time. I was on cloud nine, Mike. But I'm going to tell you, they should have won by more. And they didn't because of that offensive line. There were some times – I know Calzada is looking good at times, but there were some times he was running for his damn life from the Lobos. And that cannot happen if you're going to play – I mean, you think Arkansas ain't going to have some pressure on you and you're having problems with the Lobos. So, that's that's something they're going to – this is two weeks in a row, Mike, that they're not able to run at will or, or keep – you know, keep the uh, Calzada's jersey clean. There's no reason that that should be the case. So, uh, yeah, even though they did get a big victory here, I, I still think these guys need to look in the mirror because they got a long SEC schedule ahead if they cannot keep the quarterback clean. Yeah, and that's something Jimbo Fisher talked about after the game. He he says his damn team's playing average after 34-0 to win. And, uh, you know, it sounds like you and, you and he are on the same page there. But it's interesting you talk about the offensive line. I do agree with you. I think that'll be a weakness. I think one strength, one guy we've not hit on here, Anaya Smith, he had two returns, Oof. one called back, but I don't, that was a questionable call on it in itself, but uh, nearly mm-hmm. two scores on returns, and Arkansas special teams has been a weakness for several years. So uh, that's going to be one to watch next week. Yeah, I think Arkansas has got to do everything in their power to keep it away from Smith because he is just on another level this season. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's not human, man. He is not human. I mean, when you have to slow down an instant replay to see if the man even touched the ground <laughs> as he's rolling around. I mean, I was just it's unreal the athleticism he has. When you say when you say you need to learn to grow up and, and play more physical, is that something you can achieve in a week's time? We'll How find out. We better. Because right. that team we're playing is very physical. That team we're about to play and all and the rest of them down the line in this league has big boy ball. So you you better grow up. And it's not just always there, I mean across the board. Talking about how you run routes, how you do things, block, run routes, catches, throws, uh, even if we on defense. Do we want to take things on consistently? That would keep doing everything. We got to make sure we're a physical, tough football team if we're going to make it in this league. 
Um, in what ways did you see Zach grow from when he was thrust into action last week to when he had a week to know he was starting? Well, I, I think he, he, his early throws in the game made good decisions early and was relaxed. And then sometimes when you play really good and that goes off real good, you keep thinking everything's a home run. Just hit the baseball. Just hit it hard or make the right decisions, what I keep saying. It ain't about throwing touchdowns. It's about throwing to the right guy, making decisions, making checks. Managing. The game is bigger than everybody that's ever played it or coached it. It will bite you right in the tail when you think you're going to just go out there and do this and that. And that's one of the things he's got to continue. Not, and it's, he has ability, but you've got to continue to make the right decisions on every play. To beat a team 34 to nothing and then go come off the field and tell the sideline reporter we're very average right now, is that a commentary on like the expectations you have and where y'all are trying to go? That's the truth. <laughs> we're playing very average. I mean, I mean, we're we're much more capable of what we can do. But listen, potential doesn't potential is the worst thing you can have. Because I mean, you ain't done it. I hate the word potential. Somebody says you got a potential to have a good team. That drives me nuts. That mean that means I'm not coaching right and they're not playing right. We got to get better in all those aspects, and we got we got to grow up across the board and everything we do, and play with much more consistency as a team, and learn to benefit and play off each other. Can you talk about this team getting ready for conference play and just what do you feel like they got to do? Because what I just said, we got to get better across the board, fundamentally, men mentally, and psychologically, to understand what's about in front of you and to embrace it and to attack it, and not just go through it. You won't play real teams, man. This this SEC West, it don't get no better. It's as good a ball as there is. And you better, you better strap it on, and you better be understand what, to, and you better like it, and you better be ready for it in all phases. Skill guys, quarterbacks, linemen, tight ends, backs, defensive linemen, linebackers, kicking, I mean, everything. And we need, we need to get fundamentally better and get a nastier, meaner, tougher, more competitive attitude. Yeah. All right, Shane, real quick, uh, LSU took care of business just when we counted them out here against <laughs> Central Michigan, 49-21. to 21. They jumped all over Jim McElwain and his shark-loving ass. Uh, Max Johnson, man, this is the Max Johnson we thought we were getting. Five touchdowns, 372 yep. yards. And I thought, uh, you know, the biggest positive, I know it's Central Michigan, but, hell, we saw they played Missouri tough at Missouri. All these young receivers, uh, Deion Smith, Jack Beth, mm -hmm. Devonta Lee, I mean, all these guys. Malik Neighbors was making uh, his first appearance. And this was the guys that, that we've been hearing mm -hmm. up all camp. They're starting to show up at the perfect time, going to here in the SEC play. And I think LSU may have yep. got themselves a running back here in freshman Corey Kiner, Shane. I mean, he was uh, he Come was hitting now. that spin button. He was making guys look foolish out there. <laughs> so uh, this is, you know, hopefully this isn't a mirage. We may just pick against LSU once again to, to get their ass kicked in the right direction again. But this is the LSU we thought we were getting, isn't it? Dude, I was sitting there. I was like, note to self, purple jerseys, go with the points. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so LSU came out. That, and I will say, Mike, again, this is very eerily similar to last year. Very slow start, sluggish, really ugly at times. But keep an eye on this program, Mike. This is one that once the – it's kind of like that, that that ball rolling down the hill. Once it gets going, it's, it, they may be tough to stop. So, uh, my, I am really intrigued. Who do they got next week, At by Mississippi the way? State. Ooh, man. This is yeah, a little revenge <laughs> game. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, that's a, I don't know how I want to bet that one. We'll get to that, but that's going to be a hell of a game. But just like I said – there's just something. There's the vibe. These these guys, I can feel it in the fan base, Mike. They're like, okay, baby, here we go. Let's mm -hmm. do this. So, LSU may be picking up steam, man. All right, next Shane Stanford goes to Na Nashville, beats Vanderbilt 41-23. to 23, And, 
Man, the Vanderbilt Commodores yeah. came out tough. They were fighting. Hell, they st- they stuffed Stanford on a goal line on third and goal and fourth and yep. goal. Had the game tied up 14-14, mm-hmm. nearing halftime. And then some key mistakes really cracked the door wide open for Stanford. They ended up scoring 17 points in a five-minute span to kind of blow this thing wide open. Vanderbilt scored at the very, very yep. end to make this a little bit, you know, the score a little deceiving here because Stanford just controlled the action. But, you know, if I'm a Vanderbilt fan, mm-hmm. I like the fight here. I mean, this is who you're trying to be. You're trying to be the SEC version of Stanford. And, you know, no one is going to take Vanderbilt's roster over Stanford's. But the fact that Vanderbilt was hanging in there tough and, and out Stanford and Stanford early in the game – you know, if nothing else, that's a that's a little bit of silver lining. Yeah, and like you said, don't don't let that box score deceive you. This is a this was a close, tough fought game. Uh, I predicted them to have the upset, and there was at times I was thinking we were going to get it, Mike. But uh, the fact of the matter is, Vanderbilt has yet to put together a perfect game, and that's exactly what they're going to need to beat a team like Stanford. And uh, unfortunately, just. Came up a little short, and like you said, that little flurry of points, they just couldn't they couldn't get back into it. So um, I think as a Vanderbilt, if you're if you are a Vanderbilt fan, I think you're sitting there and saying, "Hey, man, you're seeing the positives, and they're starting to outweigh the negatives that were there week one." And then the other two games, you know, not really anything to take away from here. Tennessee beats Tennessee Tech fifty six to zero. At least Tendon Hooker scored a couple of touchdowns. The defense finally got some turnovers, so. That's what you're looking for if you're a Vol. And then Missouri just whacked Simu 59-28. And uh, old Simu scored a couple late to make this thing look competitive. But, uh, you know, this, these were get-right games for those two programs so they can go back right. in, into some tough games here. But uh, uh, any any thoughts on those two real quick? No, just I mean, obviously it was good to see Tennessee win, <laughs> baby. Uh, we just I just wish we played Tennessee Tech every week, but uh, I, I think you're I think you're right. These were just a couple of get right games, and uh, still wasn't pretty. I know that scoreboard on Tennessee looked good, but there were still some things that those boys got to work out. And uh, I am kind of interested how that. I mean, it ramps up real quick this week, Mike. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, speaking of that, the week four opening lines are up, Shane. And I'm going to have oh. you guess a couple of these, but uh, okay, I'm going to throw a, throw these at, these first ones at you. Southern Miss at Alabama. Alabama, how about this, mm-hmm. Shane? 46-point favorite. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Come on. Now. Brett Favre's rolling. <laughs> Georgia State at Auburn. Auburn, a 23-point favorite. hey and then uh, Missouri at Boston College. I didn't ask you this because I because who the hell knows about Boston College? But they're right. actually favored by one point over Missouri at the opening. But we what? do we do have a, a number of uh, SEC matchups, Shane. Georgia, okay, at Vanderbilt. What do you think the opening line for that should be? Oh man, I'm going to go Georgia. Oh man, Georgia thirty eight. I, I said 40 because I was thinking, hey, they were 32 over South Carolina, but it's actually Georgia minus 31 here at uh, mm. at Vanderbilt. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Kentucky at South Carolina. What do you think for that? Uh, give me Kentucky at South Carolina minus 11. Hey, you and I were thinking alike. I said Kentucky minus 13, but – 
no respect for Kentucky after uh, UTC struggles. Kentucky only favored by five. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. All right, how about this one, Shane? Near and dear to your heart, Tennessee at Florida. What do you got for that one? Well, clearly a trap game, Mike. I'm gonna go Florida. <laughs> I'm gonna go Florida. I'll go Florida minus twenty six. I said Florida seventeen, and it is twenty two. All right, real quick here, Shane. LSU at Mississippi State. What do you got for that? LSU at Mississippi State. Oh, give me oh, uh, give me Miss. Oh, give me LSU minus three. Oh, it's LSU minus four. You almost nailed it. And then last but not least, Arkansas, Texas A&M. What you got? Cameras dying. A&M minus 13. Oh, it's A&M minus five. So how about that one, Shane? (laughs) We got us a bowl game in Arlington. Cannot wait. We'll be breaking that game down all week. But, uh, man, we went long on this episode. So I, I really appreciate you hanging in there. And, man, just another fantastic weekend of SEC football. I'm ready to do it again. How about you, buddy? Hell yeah. 3-0 and my locks, baby. <laughs> Come on now. I'm making money over here. Forget that Mississippi State. We know we got screwed on that one. But uh, moving forward, man, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but, yeah, man, appreciate all the news. Fantastic weekend. I think this week's going to be even more exciting. Well, hang in there, guys. We're going to have uh, several more great shows this week. And, uh Hey, starting the week strong, and I hope your team won. And if you're not, if not, the refs screwed you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They did. Those blind ass refs. <laughs> All right, guys. So I appreciate you, Shane. I appreciate each and every one of you. Catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls.